So here are we with an opportunity to offer puja, recollect the triple jewels, recollect our commitment to heart cultivation. Yeah. So with me leading, we'll chant the beginning of the morning and evening chanting, and then we'll do the recollection on the Buddha's words of loving kindness. Yeah. So the chant of the Buddha's words on loving kindness. 
Now let us chant the Buddhist words on loving kindness. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any beings in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another, even as a mother with her life protects her child, her only child. So with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. And so this really beautiful teaching, isn't it? The, the teaching on loving kindness. And it's helpful to really 
know, know and consider one of the times it was given. You know, it was given to a community that was feeling fear and apprehension. Yeah. So that to really have it as a medicine, loving kindness as a medicine, but also these words, these words we can know and recite, yeah. that they're a tremendous protection to upright the mind into this flow of kindness, friendliness, indiscriminate across the entire world. And this is a teaching, isn't it, on what it what it's like, what it looks like, what it is as a lived thing to be centered from the heart. This lovely quality of uprightness that I've been talking about, the Uju is in here. Straightforward, gentle, humble, not conceited, peaceful, calm, wise, skillful. It can sound like things we're not, but these are natural inflections of a chitta when it isn't in fear. So, you know, the first part of this chant is really saying, well, this is what ethical living looks like. This kind of tenderness and care with which we can live and this wishing, may, may all beings you know, be, be safe and may they live at ease. So to really feel it, that, that kind of benediction, in a way naturally springs from the heart. And so we come through a whole process in this chant, don't we? The, the kind of ethical living. Then Buddha points to kind of samadhi or collectedness of heart, the cultivation of heart, of metta. Yeah. So we can see this as a kind of both a, a lived thing, but also a meditative process. Yeah. Really coming into this experience of kindness and letting it, rather than being cramped and tight, just spread and generate and be freed, freed out of the confines of space and time. And across upwards to the skies, across the entire world, and may everything be bathed in this protective quality. And then the, in this process that the Buddha is, is pointing to, you come to certain understandings. If we're sustaining, sustaining this orientation, you know, letting the mind turn away from hatred and ill will, really cultivating this deep friendliness and well-wishing here, there, and everything, yeah. Then certain clarity starts to arise, yeah. And this last part of the chant, you know, not holding to fixed views, having clarity of vision, yeah. So... How did we get there from the beginning? Yeah. What what really happened in this process of what it's pointing to? And you know, it's something really to consider. You know, something's being taught to us here, what this what this 
heart that's centered in loving kindness looks like and in a way what it yields what it it make helps us understand and you know as you know you know you pick up one part of the teaching and all of it's there the teaching is so holographic yeah and in in my experience in picking up this teaching this teaching on really coming into the present moment, coming out of hostility, out of aversion, really uprighting the mind, you know, cultivating what is good and helpful, and putting down what is unhelpful. A clarity and stability of chitta starts to arrive. And the, the, this energetic process Chitta, whatever we call it, this energetic process has enough capacity and enough stability and enough presence to really start looking at things straight on. And when we do that, what do we start to become aware of? what happens when we've actually slowed things down enough so that we can really attend attend to what is here we're, we're sitting the mind of open receptive it isn't it isn't in this kind of struggle with the hindrances it's actually completely present certain certain things start to become clear and what certainly here really starts to shine forth is the movement of things mm -hmm. things are in this process a breath washes through sensations come and go Thought comes and goes, sounds come and go. Everything is alive and in movement. And what happens if we start really attuning to this process, this the actual movement of things, the fact that what this next moment will be like is completely uncertain. We we can have some idea from the conditions that have been established, but actually, what will your next thought be, your next feeling? If we really stay on the emerging edge of the present moment, what's it like? So the chitta settles and we start to recognize that everything rather than being a thing, is a process. It's a process of coming into being, staying for a while and falling away. And the more clearly we see into that, the more we see, in a way you could say, and the language is clumsy, but everything's its own thing. And the way we label it, the way we perceive it, 
these are just conventions and they're completely inadequate. Things are, belong in a way to themselves, which that may not make sense, but, but the tendency of our thinking mind is to grasp everything, to decide what everything is, to label it, to kind of fix it. But things do their own thing. And the more we see this, the more the views, the tendency to view softens. You realize, hey, I mean, we can really see it in this retreat. Is it morning? Is it evening? Is it afternoon? You know, depends where you're sitting. Is it a sunny day? Is it raining? No, really depends. Yeah. Now I could make some declaration on the nature of time and space, but it would be dependent on my experience here. Yeah. And yes, the sun is shining, but this morning it was cold and frosty. Yeah. It's probably hard for some of you to believe it could ever be cold, yeah? Yeah. Because that's also mysterious, isn't it? When we're in an experience, say we're in an experience of tremendous heat, it's hard even to really have a body sense that it's possible to be cold. Our present moment experience can be so vivid, it feels so as if this is just it. Only thing possible. Yeah. And what the process of this coming into the heart, coming into kindness is doing, is really softening that certainty. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this lovely word from the time I near that I don't would use, uncertain, unsure. So when we have that there, it's harder to decide what everything is and bring in judgment, criticism, and everything that can go with that. Yeah. So in that process, there's something about as the heart gets more attuned, that tendency to fixed views falls away. Yeah. And there's a great compassion in that because our, the kind of tendency to have views about ourselves is really the, one of the great pains of human consciousness isn't it these um, senses of criticism non-allowing whereas hmm it's not like that at all. And what is this being? You know, it's a process. And it's a process that arises dependent on conditions. When I see some of your faces at the top of the screen, something happens here. Yeah? Everything starts changing, yeah? When the sun shines, it feels like one thing. When it rains, it feels like another. Yeah. It's this this 
kind of movement, the titta is affected by perception and feelings. We get this shifting, the shifting sense of who we are, what we are, what we experience. Yeah? So to to stay attuned to that, you know, and it can feel really hard not take to take a position on everything, you know, who we are, what that is. But the more we can soften it with, it looks like this, yeah? Mm-hmm. T- particularly in our relationship with others. Mm-hmm. How often we are wrong, yeah? We looked from where we looked and we only saw what we were capable of seeing at the time. Some of you know the kind of funny experience I had. You know, I said I was at Budgaya, one Waisak, many decades ago. And because at that time there'd been, or the week before the Waisak night, there'd been a young woman raped and killed there around the temple. And I'd and I'd gone to the the monk in charge of the of the Bodhi Tree Temple, the whole surround, and said, Look, here am I on and if you're here on Waisaka Puja, could I please spend the night in the temple grounds? And he definitely tried to dissuade me because you know Gaya was incredibly poor and desperate place at that time. It may well still be. The Bihar is very poor. And there was a lot of violence there. But anyway, you know, I was finally given permission to spend the night under the Bodhi tree, which was really wonderful. And as I said before, it was a hot season, so all the pilgrims had gone. You know. It wasn't the place to be. Yeah. You know. And I was spending the night there, and what was so vivid about it was that, you know, the heat, the mosquitoes, the cold, the crawling ants, you know, that it wasn't like one might imagine, yeah? I mean, for me, there's this tremendous faith, but the conditions were difficult. But the really funny thing was that there were four... Indian men with these huge long sticks, probably about eight feet. And they were there around the Bodhi tree. Yeah. And every time I'd get up to do walking meditation, they'd follow me. And there'd be the clunk, clunk, clunk of their sticks as they followed me around. And I'd feel so frightened. And this went on really all night. They'd sit when I sat, they'd follow me when I when I walked, and it was only about a decade later, something suddenly went boom in my brain, and I said, oh, they were there protecting me. Now, just imagine what it would have felt like if I'd sat there that night feeling protected. I I felt completely under the shelter of the Baldy trip, but on the level of external conditions, I felt incredibly vulnerable. Wow, I missed, I missed a gift I'd been given. You know, this monk had made sure the temple guards made sure I was all right. Yeah. How much else am I missing? 
So it's these things that make him suddenly bring us up short and we think, wow, perception is really tricky because perception and feeling really move the chitta. And of all the ways I could perceive this world, all the things I could pick up and notice, what am I noticing? And I guess why I picked up fear, the sense of um, not feeling comforted by them was partly too because of what had happened earlier. So there was that fool, but I was just so determined having made this huge effort to be there. But what I missed, yeah. And each of you, all of us have those experiences, don't we? These really profound things that we're doing or seeing, and we actually can miss what's really going on. So it makes me cautious with the degree to which I grasp perceptions. Yeah. Hmm, okay. What else might be here? Oh, this is happening. I'm giving it a certain meaning. And the meaning I've chosen to give it, you know, what's it doing to this tender heart? Yeah. Is it helpful? You know, and it's not to be stupid, is it? But it's to be more reflective. There are times to be cautious, and we have to be sensible, but to also be open. You know, and I, I see that very much in our relationships with others. Yeah. Like many of you actually work therapeutically with people, I can see what happens when these kind of fixed ideas happen. Yeah why somebody's doing something. What happens if we put a bit of breath into that, a bit of love into that? So to me, this is the encouragement of this sutta, the Buddha's words on loving kindness, the sense of this wisdom faculty, not holding fixed views, really seeing things as, as in movement, as process. No, there is no willitania. There's a there's actually a process that keeps arising dependent on conditions. And the real thing of that is it makes it really imperative that I take responsibility for the conditions I establish. Yeah. And I think that's the real challenge of the Buddha's teaching. You know, we had a theistic view of the world. Maybe some supreme being would pick us up and save us. You can see that there are ways of understanding that too, but, but that in my sense of practice here, it's like I really need to be taking care of this heart and how it relates to the world. I have responsibility here. I have responsibility to meet the world with heart qualities of love and compassion and to respond from that place. 
It's not somebody else's job. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a real encouragement to me, the sutta. How do we live in accordance with the Dhamma? What does it look like? Then how do we pick up these really beautiful teachings, not as a, something we're failing at? No, I'm not so calm, and am I easily contented? You know, and on and on, a kind of reviewing these things and looking for the ways we're falling short. Can we take them as encouragement and as a pointing to these qualities that are there when the every chitta comes out of unwholesome states? It's not like one of us is especially um, bad. It's like the nature of the chitta is loving. So the work is to keep letting go of the obstructions to that. Letting go of the ways we hold and frame reality that get in the way of love and friendliness. It's a, it's an encouragement, I would say, this teaching, and the sense that this cultivation is a cultivation that brings safety. That when the heart is really grounded in loving kindness, then nothing can go wrong. Whatever plays out externally, we don't. Then we don't lose. We don't lose home. We still hear the heart is upright. It's responding in whatever way it can wholesomely to whatever conditions are arising. So this is the work, really, isn't it? So we we sit, we ground ourselves, we come into this embodied experience, we open the mind, we notice what is here, and we're sensitive to the fact that our experience is in this process of movement and change. And the one of the aspects of that is that the more we see this, the more the heart comes out of selfishness, self-cherishing, some sense of being completely separate, yeah? Because we're so clearly the result of everything around us. We're in relationship with everything, yeah? So the, it's, the place the Buddha pointed to and said, if you're going to pay attention to anything, pay attention to anicca. Because this untangles the grasping of the mind. And the only way we can really pay attention to anicca 
is when the heart is grounded upright in love because it's love that allows us to be present to what is here to the shifting texture of everything yeah, so let us keep real heart with this practice you know, so that the depths and the the understandings that really free us up are really revealed as we practice we're starting to get in alignment with them maybe that's enough you know and pick up and see what you find is helpful what accords with your own understanding Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.